The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. Let's see who I got in here. How many of you would rather be here tonight than in jail? I just want to make sure the English is working. I'm not sure. And actually, it's this is Texas English. Ashley speaks proper English. The Queen's English. And... Uh, I speak Texas English, so here we are. But I, I want you to know I'm I'm really delighted to be here. And honestly, truthfully, I almost didn't make it. <laughs> uh, so I'm really honored and uh, I'm excited. You know, I, I like to be around people I know that have a call of God and a purpose of God on their life. And I'll tell you, uh, Pastor Tafara and Chippo, I've been around them and and uh, I felt so comfortable with him. I told him this morning that I needed a hair dryer. I know you don't get it. I know you don't get it. And I said, what I really need is a half of a hair dryer. And then he, he called the place where we're staying and the hair dryer was right under the sink. It was right there. And so I missed it. But I, I really mean that. I the spirit of being around people that are really on the inside, they have such a kingdom heart and such a large vision for seeing the purposes of God in the earth. And I like to be around uh, pastors and people that are that way. So, Ashley, thank you for inviting me. Pastor Farr, thank you for having me. You were willing to risk it, right, for us to come. And so I'm just delighted to be here. Then I understand from a couple of pictures here, I have folks from Heidelberg. Is that right? So we have, we have students from the Heidelberg Karras campus. So I bring you greetings from Colorado, and I'm excited you're here. And now we're, uh, there, there's Isaac and Annaline. You guys stand. These are our RWM directors. Some of you may not know them. And uh, they're also our, our AWM and Karras directors here in South Africa, right, from from uh, Andrew Walmart Ministries and Karis Bible College. Thank you, and I'm excited. In fact, I got to meet them. They came all the way to Colorado, and I didn't even get to meet you, but my wife met you. Yeah, great. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. We appreciate it. And so I'm excited for the vision and for what God's doing among you. I really believe that, you know, God has positioned South Africa in order, in a, in a unique place, to help reach this continent with the gospel. And I have the privilege and the opportunity, of course, I travel somewhere internationally every month. Stay with me now. Every month except for July. Except for July and December. And so I won't be coming back in December, but I, it's a joke, it's a joke. But I made it, I made it in July, Pastor so I'm glad. I try to stay home July and uh, July and December of every year. So the rest of the time I go somewhere for about one week 
I don't usually go longer than that internationally. And so there's, there's one thing I have seen and learned here in the last uh, 20 years. And one, and, and one of those things is that there is definitely a marketplace sound in the earth today that all over the world, all over the globe, especially from kingdom people, from believers, from, from a, from a faith-based group, there is this marketplace sound that is being made. And it's kind of like a dog whistle. I don't know if you know what that is, but when, in America we have those dog whistles that you can't hear with the human ear, but the dog can hear that frequency of the dog whistle, and then it'll howl or make a noise and respond to that dog whistle because it can hear it. Well, there's a frequency in the spirit that's going out, and it's going out all over the globe. And just in my office alone, not just at AWM, at AWM, we get at least 100 calls a day specifically asking for some type of business advice. In my, my office in Denver, we get at least 100 either emails or calls a week asking for advice from all over the world. I mean, for everywhere. And so in the morning, when we come back in the morning, I'll give you some of that information uh, on how you can contact us. But tonight, I want to jump into it. But here's the point. There is a sound that's being made in the earth. There's a sound. In fact, the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 37 that there was a rattling of the bones and a noise and bones came together bone to bone, right? And then on that, on those bones coming together, right? In the valley of dry bones, the bones came together. There was a rattling and a noise. Right now, in the spirit, there is the bones are coming together. God is doing something, and out of that, a mighty army rose up. And if we're going to see Matthew chapter 6 happen, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth, even as it is in heaven, it's going to take an army of believers that have a revelation of the kingdom of God and a revelation of what it means to have an impact in all of the seven mountains of the earth. One of the things that I like to show, and I ask for this, and this is in the book Money Mastery. I teach it in some of the series, and we'll do the slides in just a second. Uh, but we call the concept the seven mountains. How many of you have ever heard of the concept called the seven mountains? The seven mountains basically represent what we call the spheres or places of influence in a society. And so over here on this side, we'll make that mountain a little bigger, we would have what we call the, the uh, I'm going to call it for the purposes tonight, I'm going to call it religion. And I'll show you why in just a second, that I use the word religion on purpose. And then we have uh, what we would call the family. Then we have education. We have government or politics, however you want to. We have uh, the arts and entertainment. We have the media, and we have business. Now, what has happened is the church, the church has camped out in this mountain, in what I call the religion mountain, because the real goal is the church should be in every mountain. It should be in each one of these mountains, not just in one mountain. But what we've done is we have hidden out in the four walls of our church 
without going into the marketplace. And even our young people that graduate from school or high school before they ever go to college, they think the only place they can have a meaningful expression is inside the religion mountain. In other words, Christian young people. But the truth is, God is raising up people today to go into all the mountains. And so I take the word church, and I don't put it here, I put it up here. Because the real goal is for us as the church to be able to go into all of the mountains. Amen? And then the idea is, is as we go into the mountains, we can do like Daniel in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 3. The Bible says Daniel had another spirit about him. He had a different spirit like Caleb did, right? In Numbers 14, he had a different spirit with him. Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But what you see is, is that then you get into the mountain and it's not just good enough to get into the mountain. You want to be able to rise to the top of the mountain. And it's at the top of the mountain where the gates of influence are. They're right up here. So if you excel as a believer and come up to the top of the mountain, we begin to see city and nation transformation. We begin to see kingdom impact and all kind of sphere. So in, in, the, in this session, in the session tomorrow, and so will Ashley, I'm going to be ta- talking to you about how to do things, right, in real practical ways. If you've ever seen any of our teaching or read any of our books, you know they're extremely practical. But let me build the context here for a minute. The context that we're talking about is not a context where I can just have something, right? And for that matter, whether I can just do something. I can either have something financially or do something. It's about can I really have a kingdom impact. And you're going to have the greatest impact when you're able to go get into the gates of influence, whether that's in politics, arts and entertainment, education, in religion, or over here. And we're going to talk about business because that's why we're here. Now, one of the secrets is, here's what I want you to say uh, here, and I want you to hear this clear. All of the all of the mountains individually, there's I think there's seven, one, two, three, five, six, seven. I wrote seven. I made sure I wrote seven. All of the mountains, including the religion mountain, take money to function. All the mountains take money. And so what that means is, is we need to have an understanding in our mind, and as believers, as Christians, as kingdom-minded people, we have to get comfortable or more comfortable with understanding. Not all of you about finance or about money. Not all of you, for example, are going to go in the business mountain. You might go into some one of these other mountains, but you have to realize that money functions and operates in all of those mountains. So this is a statement you'll hear me say. Hopefully you'll hear me say it a couple times tomorrow, and you'll hear it again tonight, and I'll say it if you listen to some of the products somewhere else. That is this, that money is attracted, not pursued. So there's something that you and I do that causes the things in our life that need to come to be attracted to us or there's things that we do that cause the things in our life that we need to be repelled from us. And so I learned this because I spent a lot, a large portion of my life and uh, uh, pursuing certain things, for example, money, 
and I learned that money is attracted, not pursued. And what that means is I've got to work harder on myself than I do on my job so that I can do better on my job. And remember this, you take value to the marketplace, you don't take time. Some people think they get, they get paid for time. You don't get paid for time. You get paid for the value that you put in the time that you bring to the marketplace. Now, for example, <laughs> I have the best job in the world, right? And so, first of all, I get to be up here with nice people like you. That's a great thing to be able to do. I get to deal with wonderful pastors like Tafara. Didn't have a hairdryer, but we got one. No, I'm kidding. It's a joke. It's a joke. Settle down. Settle down. But I have this job. For example, my, my title, I don't even know. I didn't even know I had a title for a long time. But my title at Andrew Walmart Ministries and Caris Bible College is Executive Vice President. That's a really good title for I don't have to do anything. That's what it's for. It's a great title, right? And so, I'm, I'm an example, me and Wendell Parr, that's an inside joke to the Heidelberg folk and maybe some of the Johannesburg that go to Karis. But, but uh, me and Wendell Parr, we get paid for our value, not for our time. Because you take, you take value to the marketplace. So, I share this with you because I've been on a journey myself, and I do genuinely have the privilege of being able to literally travel the globe um, and and do what I'm doing here tonight with audience of all kinds all over the world. And it's an exciting thing. Uh, in September, I'll be back in Africa, in Uganda, and in, and in Kenya, where we're doing a Wealth Builders Conferences in both of those nations. Uh, in October, I'll be in um, in the U.K. with Andrew Walmack, Paul Milligan, myself, Bob Yandian. We'll do a minister's conference, and then we do a business summit right after the conference there in the UK, and that's in October. The next month, I will be in Hong Kong doing a conference where they're coming from all over China in a business conference uh, similar to this, and then December, I get to be home. Can you say, praise the Lord, I'm home, hallelujah. Now, I say that, the reason I went through that is to let you know, I'm not sharing this because we don't have a lot, we have a ton of stuff to give you, but I, I'm sharing that to, to uh, help you understand that you have to position yourself, how you think, for example, how your the, the approach of of uh, how you view money. You know, I heard a story several years ago, uh, and actually, I haven't told this story in quite a while. At least in the live in live settings like this, but I haven't told this story in a long time live. So it's on the product and some of the. I think it's in the book. There was a story that I use all the time, and it'll help us here tonight. It's a story about the man out in California, and he was on the, on the west coast of California, like San Diego, and he was out on a pier, and he was fishing on a big pier out in the ocean, and, and another man walked out on the pier and was actually watching him fish and watched him catching the fish. And he noticed, as he was doing that, he noticed as the man would catch a big fish he would take the big fish and throw it back and then he watched him as he caught the little fish he would take the little fish and keep it and put it over in his fish bucket uh, obviously to take home and so finally the man that was watching this all take place and unfold in front of him he got very curious and he said 
So he worked up the courage to walk over and talk to the fisherman. And he said to the fisherman, he said, help me to understand something. He said, I find you doing something very curious, at least to me. He said, I notice every time that you catch a big fish, you throw it back. Every time you catch a little fish, you keep it. And uh, the fisherman said, yes, that's right. And the man paused that was asking the question, and he said, well, well, why do you do that? Why wouldn't you keep the big fish? And the, man, the fisherman paused and let it kind of sit. And he said, oh, that's easy. He said, I only have a 10-inch pan. And so hopefully tonight and tomorrow we can, we can grow in our thinking from a 10-inch pan to a 12-inch pan to a 16-inch pan to, watch this now, to a 24-inch pan. And some of us, to get where God wants to take us, we're going to have to have a 36-inch skillet to get to where God wants us to go. You got to think different. You got to approach how you look at things, and especially in this case, money. Now, let me talk to you. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about three laws, real quick, if I can get to them, uh, on the laws of wealth. Now, in, in the book, Money Mastery, um, there are what we would call in, in the book there, I list, I believe it's seven spiritual laws of wealth. I have a new book coming out. In fact, I got a new book coming out. This one won't be out to 2021. It's called Investment Mastery. And in it, I list the seven laws of what we call natural wealth or, or natural laws that produce wealth for you. Now, I share that in there because in the spiritual laws of wealth that's in the current Money Mastery book, one of those laws is the law of stewardship. Now, I want to share the same parable, and I think this is up there. Yep, it's up there. I want to share the same parable that Ashley just shared, except I'm going to read it from the message translation. Are you familiar with the message translation? I'm going to read it. This is the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, and in verse 14 it says, It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibility and responsibilities, and to one he gave five thousand dollars, to another two thousand, and to the third one a thousand, depending on their ability. So, notice I put that in red for you, underlined it. Uh, I think it's bolded. It's close anyway. It says depending on their abilities. Then he left, and right off the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well, from now on be my partner. The servant with the 2,000 showed how he had also doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, good work, you did your job well, from now on be my partner. 
the next verse says, The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards, and I want you to see I put this in red, dear. I know you have high standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a good business person. Notice it says you have high standards, right? Good customer service, hate careless ways, you demand the best, and you make no allowances for error. He said, I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and secured your money. (laughs) I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. He said, that's a terrible way to live. Sounds like Andrew Womack, for those of you who know who he is. Sounds like Andrew's that way. He he doesn't believe in living that safe. He said, that's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew what I was after, or I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done. Now notice he said, you did less than the least. Some of us in here tonight, now listen, let me challenge you for a minute. Now listen, I want you to know I love you, and I want you to know the Bible's very plain. you got to love me to get to heaven. That's in 1 Billy 2.1. He said the least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and, watch this now, and give it to the one who risked the most. Reading out of the Bible. And get rid of this play it safe. Who won't go out on a limb, throw him into utter darkness. Wow. So when I talk about the law of stewardship, there's a story about two families. From a, uh, one was from Europe, and the other one was from America. The Rothschilds were from Europe, and the Vanderbilts were from the U.S. Now, Cornelius Vanderbilt, he amassed a $105 million fortune by the time he died in 1877. He did it in the transportation industry, primarily with railroads. He gave a million dollars to Central University, which is today Vanderbilt University. And just so you have a frame of reference, a $105 million fortune at the time that he passed away in 1877 would be worth more than the richest man in the world today is worth, which is the founder of Amazon. And so Jeff Bezos, he would be richer than Jeff Bezos, okay? And he had put a million dollars into Central University. Now, stay with me here. He had a massive fortune. In 1972, almost 100 years later from the time he died, 120 of his direct descendants gathered at Vanderbilt University and the fact these are direct descendants, in other words, they inherited the wealth. There was not one millionaire among the 120. Not one. 
In fact, one of the grandsons said, his name was William K. Vanderbilt, he said, the fortune has left me with nothing to hope for. Um, He said, with nothing to hope for, with nothing definite to seek or strive for, inherited wealth is a real handicap to happiness. True story. Now, Mayor here, Amschel Rothschild, he was different. He passed away in 1812. Now, watch this now. He had five sons, and he did with his family. He established a family bank. Now, his sons became established in five different capitals in Europe. And so instead of giving them money, because Rothschild actually managed large amounts of of money for sovereign governments. That's how he really got started. He was a banker. And so here's what he did. Instead of giving his kids the money, here's what he did. He, He started a family bank, and he loaned the money to start the businesses Uh, that were in these five different capitals, he loaned the money, and then he made them pay it back. Stay with me now. And they, secondly, they were required to write down and share what they learned in each one of those businesses. He was building an empire all over Europe with those five sons. They had to pay it back. They had to write down what they learned about a particular investment or business they had invested in so the other family members could learn in fact his grandson said it requires a great deal of boldness and a great deal of caution stay with me now to make a great fortune and when you have got it it requires 10 times as much to keep it in other words the law of stewardship is an understanding that money is not just going to fall on your head like ripe cherries uh, that fall out of a tree That money is attracted, not pursued. When you do the things that you need to do as a steward of money, and when I'm talking about being a steward, I'm not just talking about your giving, which definitely we believe in giving, and giving and, and bringing your tithe to the storehouse is definitely a part of stewardship. But what I'm talking about right now is your attitude toward finance and your attitude toward money that there is a way that you position yourself in fact I will say this the greatest mistake that entrepreneurs make in any business is how or how they do or do not continue to position themselves correctly in their business in other words they end up paying attention to the wrong things or they end up paying attention to the right things And you may not quite understand that quite yet, but just kind of put it in there and let it sit. It's how you can, at the Karis Business School, we continue to teach the entrepreneurs, Paul Milligan and myself, continue to teach them how you position yourself in your business or how you position yourself in your church or how you position yourself in your nonprofit is continually critical on how well that business will grow or expand or continue to grow and expand. So that has to do with the law of stewardship. In other words, how you relate to money, how you relate to how it's coming and going. And we gave you these, I gave you these illustrations. How many of you have ever seen pictures like this? Ten lottery winners who lost everything. We see it happen in America all the time. In fact, just recently there was one who won three, well, not recently, about seven or eight years ago, he won 300 million U.S. That means he took home 
So after all the taxes and things he did, he took home about 200 million cash. 200 million. Now, I don't know about you, but I could believe God for the rest. <laughs> Today, as I stand here in Johannesburg, South Africa, that man is completely broke. His family completely left. He lost his wife. He, he literally lost his children. He lost everything he had because it takes an understanding in the areas of the law of stewardship to know how to handle what, what you have. Remember, money's attracted, not pursued. And we're going to talk about what that means in more detail tonight and tomorrow. So the law of stewardship is a critical thing in the mindset. So I like to say it this way. If you win a million dollars, you best become a millionaire so you get to keep the money. In other words, if you win a million dollars, you have to become a millionaire in your thinking. How you're going to manage it, how you're going to handle it, what you're going to do with it. It's those things that have to change in your mindset in order to do this. Now, I'm going to put this up here, and I'm going to ask you not to take it off my time. Settle down, settle down, it's going to be okay. But I'm going to show you how a lot of people relate to finance. I shared this with pastors, uh, ministers today earlier. But I, want, I just want to show you this. Most people, and you, can everybody see this okay? Can, I don't know if you can, but at the bottom here it says paycheck to paycheck and, it, and basically job to job. So most people in the world, uh, and we'll talk about Africa specifically, a little later, either tonight or tomorrow. But most people in the world, in Western nations, they literally live paycheck to paycheck. And then they start coming to church, thank God, in the body of Christ, and they get a revelation of prosperity. So down here on the bottom right here, uh, I put prosperity. You get a revelation of prosperity. Now, this is where most of the people in this room tonight, maybe not everybody, but most of you in here, you have some revelation of prosperity. God wants to bless you. Now, maybe you haven't experienced that actually in your life, but you either want it or you agree with it or you know it's true. Can you say amen? So there's a revelation of prosperity. But most people in the body of Christ don't grow beyond that level of understanding. Thank you for all those enthusiastic amens. They don't grow beyond that understanding. So now if the pastor is really progressive, now do I have some pastors in here? Now I'm not going to pick on the pastor. I just want to know. I got some other pastors. Got some here, here, pastors. Got some others over here. Well, you know, pastors, If in, in America this is true. I'm not sure quite yet about South Africa, but in America this is true, that if they really are aggressive and progressive, right, meaning in the right way, progressive in the correct way, then they actually teach on personal finance, budgeting, that kind of thing, uh, because they're really helping and equipping the church. And then if they're really on the cutting edge, they teach on leadership.
So one of my pet peeves, and Paul Milligan, who's the CEO at Andrew Walmart Ministries, and he and I co-direct the business school together now, starting about two and a half years ago when we started doing it together. We have a pet peeve that pastors get up and teach on leadership and call it business teaching. It's not business teaching. It's leadership teaching. And it's good if you work in a corporate environment or if you're in a church, that kind of teaching is needed and it's good. But it doesn't really help your entrepreneurs in a way that will cause them to really expand. It'll help them dealing with their people. It'll help them on the people side, but it won't help them on scaling their business side. Now, only a couple of you heard me say what I just said. I promise you that probably be the most sophisticated thing I say tonight, but... And then the next level is what we call the real level, the entrepreneur level, and the investor level. If you get, if you get to this level, this is where businesses really are built. Where businesses really are built is with these three, leadership, entrepreneur, and investing. You have to understand something about building business at that entrepreneurship level. You have to understand investments and there's a reason I'm taking the time, taking the time tonight to tell you this. Because then when you get higher up, then that's really where what I call kingdom impact begins to happen. And city and nation transformation begin to happen. Because it's at the entrepreneur investing level, you, if you learn that, you now have enough money. You can help other people and teach other people. And we start having a city and nation impact. And we start seeing Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth even as it is in heaven. Because we now have the resource and the know-how to know how, how to have an impact in the city and nations where we go. Now, some of you are saying, just help me pay my bills. But as you come up the triangle, so let me show this to you. And I drew this actually by hand for the pastors today, so I'm not charging you. Notice that when we read the parable of the, ter- uh, the, the talents, he said, according to the abilities of each man, one servant received five talents, the second servant received two talents, and the third servant received one talent. What? According to their ability. Watch this now. So if you're going to be a five-talent person, you really need to start down here at the leadership. I've got it higher up here, real high. But if you'll come back down here to the entrepreneur level and start learning those kind of things about finance, money, and investing, if you'll apply yourself to that stuff, that's where the, the listen, the, the master apportioned the talents according to their ability. Most people in the body of Christ want to camp out at understanding prosperity, but not do the stuff that they have to do to apply themselves to knowledge and understanding. I'll deal with that in the morning, but they don't do that. This is where the law of stewardship comes in. The law of stewardship says, I'm going to choose with my time to learn how to do certain things and to be in America, and I can do it here in South Africa if you'll give me a week, I can drive up in front of any normal residential property and tell you before I drive in, whether, before, excuse me, before I walk in, whether or not that property is worth the investment. 
And I can tell by how it's sitting, by how it's looking. I, and I make sure I got information before I drive up. When I used to buy properties from the East Coast to West Coast in America, I would always look at at least 100 properties, uh, meaning on paper. Right? Now, in the beginning, I walked inside of every one of them. But later, I would, I would write offers every single week. And I would write at least three offers a week. I would look at 100 properties on paper, write three offers a week, and usually get one to two of those offers accepted. In some years, I would do over 200 real estate transactions in one year. So what do you learn when you do that? We'll talk about that tomorrow. It's the law of wisdom. And you get to an area of investing where you actually know what you're doing. You're not guessing. You're not kind of stumbling over where you are. And so the two-talent person is down here learning this stuff. And watch this. I just did this for you. I didn't charge any extra. There's no extra money tonight uh, that I'm charging you. But down here on the one-talent, if you just have a revelation about prosperity, you probably wouldn't know what to do with the one-talent when the master brought it to you. Thank you for all those enthusiastic hallelujahs. So here's the amount of learning that's needed. So can I say this to you, church? I can already tell you I'm feeling no love from the right side of the room. And I'm trying to help you. I'm giving the love tonight. I'm giving much love and I'm not getting anything in return from the right side. Let us pray. I think I'm going to quit right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so prosperity, you got Brother Copeland, and you know I love Brother Copeland, right, and Andrew. Here's Dave Ramsey. There's John Maxwell. There's Kiyosaki who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And up at the top, I don't know who that guy is, but I'm going to tell you. So I'm just showing you here the, the, the process of where you have to move to in order to begin to move up the ladder in the area of understanding finance and, and, uh, finance and money on how it will work for your life. All of this has to do with the law of stewardship. It has to do with what I do with my time. Watch this now. What I do with my talent and what I do with my treasure. So positioning yourself. So what in order to do this, what some people do is they'll go up here and investing but in entrepreneurship and they'll build a massive company or they'll build a, a massive something, but they have no concept about really making a difference in the earth. And Jesus gave us a parable when he said, the rich man said to himself, I have plenty of goods, so I'm going to tear down these smaller barns and I'm going to build bigger barns. So he said in the scripture, Luke chapter 12, he said so that I can eat, drink, and be merry. That's what he said. And the master came, Jesus was talking, and he said, fool, you're a fool. He said, tonight your soul will be required of you. 
right? He said that because you thought it was about the abundance of goods and how you could build bigger barns. Now, let me say this to you. God wants everybody, even in South Africa, to have some barns. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have storehouses. You've got to apply yourself to get to that point. But God wants you to have some barns. And look, folks, I learned this because I did Luke chapter 12. I did it. I sold out. I did my stuff. I took my cash. You know, there's something. Watch this now. There's something about putting a million dollars in the bank. Cash that's yours, not just your businesses, but that's yours. And two million, three million, four million, five million. There's something about that that will just touch you in your soul. Now, I remember the first time, the first time, not the only time, but the first time I sold a business for a million dollars. It was a million dollars, one million fifty-three thousand cash. Wasn't no stock options, nothing. It was money. And I took that one million fifty-three thousand dollar check, it was a physical check, and I looked at it, put it up. Decided I'd put it in a picture frame for a couple of days. <laughs> then I remember taking it to the bank. Remember this. And I put it in the bank. Just in my regular checking account. <laughs> now, now, I don't do that today. But I want to tell you, the bank teller will communicate with you. When I go to the bank, well, I better not tell that. That's too much. So there's something about that that will touch you in your soul. But I, and I did that several times. But I got to the point of where I thought that the money, that money, everything, it became my security. It became about me. It became what I wanted. So I retired, right? Now, now it would be 13 years ago, 14 years ago, I retired and I went and bought a beautiful home. I had a big, huge ski condo in, uh, around Breckenridge and looked right at the ski mountain. I actually had three of them, but the one I lived in was that one. I had this beautiful house in Houston with a big saltwater waterfall and a saltwater pool and, you know, right on the lake. I mean, I was living the dream. My wife walked in one day and she looked at me and she pointed her finger at me. If you've ever seen my wife, you'll know it. She pointed her finger at me and she said, if you don't get off this couch, I'm going to kill you. Because she had watched me for two years say, I'm going to eat. I've said to myself, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. And she came in and said, I'm going to kill you if you don't get off the couch. She's from South Texas. She knows how to shoot a gun. True story. This is a true story. And I'm telling you, within uh, about 10 days of her walking in, Paul Milligan called me and said, I'm starting a business uh, school at Karis Bible College with Andrew Womack. He said, will you come help me within 30 days of that phone? In fact, he called, and I'm in my truck taking stuff to Goodwill. I got so much stuff 
instead of selling it on Craigslist or somewhere, I'm giving it away at Goodwill. True story. I'm sitting in my truck, my Texas truck. I'm sitting in it. And you remember, we, we finally got caller ID in those days, you remember? And I could see it was Paul Milligan calling. It said Paul Milligan. So I just went to hit the end or decline because I'm not going to answer the phone. I don't want to talk. And my wife slapped me so hard right upside my shoulder, and she was getting ready to slap me upside my head. True story. True story. She said, you're going to answer that phone. I answered the phone, and Paul said, Billy, what? He said, I want you to come help me. I said, what are you doing? I didn't know what he was doing. He said, Andrew said we could start a business school. Are you willing to come? Man, I went, and within 30 days of that phone call, another guy by the name of Lance Wallnow called me, who I hadn't seen Lance in a while. Some of you don't know Lance, but he's a, he's a phenomenal speaker and, and uh, leader in America right now. And he called me and said, Billy, I've got some dream trips I'm going to do. I want to know if you come teach on those dreams. And all of a sudden, from just a short period of time, I went from eat, drink, and be merry. Watch this now. Watch this. Watch this. I built wealth in the beginning for all the wrong reasons. I did it totally for selfish. I did it for me. Totally for me. And matter of fact, I couldn't have obeyed God in, in a sense of what was next. But what God showed me was I went through that whole process to bring me to a time such as this. Today, as I'm standing here, true story, no exaggeration, we put millions of dollars on the continent of Africa every year. And we do it in the form of microfinance, banking, and, and outright donations. And we put millions of dollars because God allowed me to take what I learned, amount of learning, going up the scale, and he, la- he took me and let me learn, so we started tri- what's called Tricord Global. And today, we literally, and I'd love to sp- you know, play some videos for you that you could see. We have one young man. There's many of them. There's thousands of them. It's over 12,000 current clients right now. We have thousands of them. There's one young man who came, and he took out a $300 loan to actually buy equipment and, and rent a shop to do used bicycle repair. He came back to us after he paid the $300 loan back, and he came back to us for $1,000, and he started a used furniture shop. He came back about a year and a half later, paid that loan back. He got a $10,000 loan, U.S. loan. Stay with me now. And he opened a brand new furniture store. With just $10,000. I've been there many times. Then he called about two years after that. And he came back for a $50,000 U.S. loan. And he opened a grocery store and a petrol station. He still has his used repair bicycle shop. He doesn't do the work anymore. He hires people. He still has his furniture store. Now he has a real grocery store. I have pictures of it. I mean, mean, it's a real grocery store with a petrol station out front. He started focusing on Boda Boda Arnold's. That's those little motorcycles. And today he sells just gas like crazy, petrol like crazy out of there. Are you ready now? And he came to me about, I was, in, I was there in April, today's July. So three months ago, he came to me beaming. And he said, now all those loans have been paid back. He paid back the 50000 
he came to me beaming and he said, you know what I'm opening now? And he took me over to this huge warehouse and he said, I'm going to open like a Costco in America. And it's a warehouse, but he said, I'm only going to service all the entrepreneurs that are going to go out in the actual marketplace and sell rice and potatoes and other goods, right, and food. And they're going to come to my warehouse. I'm going to sell it to them cheaper than they can get it anywhere else. It's going to be a blessing to them and their families. And he said with tears running down his eyes, listen now, he said with tears running down his uh, eyes, he said, not only am I helping hundreds of entrepreneurs right now, in Kampala, Uganda, but he said, Billy, my kids, their clothes, I have clothes for them. I pay for them to go to school. I feed them. I'm paying for them to go to college. He said, my life has been transformed. Now think about it. Think about it. Think about it. That's what having impact is about. Right? It's having that, and now he's taking that and giving it to somebody else. So I want to challenge you, right? I'm just telling you some stories tonight and some illustrations. But I'm telling you it's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give. But you have to understand that money is attractive. Today in America, I have no problem raising money. Now, I know some people look at me like, but if you know my life or you know me or you know anything about me, you know it's true. I have, I have to tell people every, we call it capital, every capital raise, I have to tell people we can't take your money because we're either already full, right? I'm not going to take a bunch of money I can't deploy, right? So money comes to your life and it's attracted, not pursued. And so I want to challenge you tonight that when we talk about tomorrow, I'm going to pick up with the law of wisdom. You don't want to miss that because that's how you go up. Right? That's how you go up the triangle. I'm going to talk about the law of wisdom, the law of risk, and if I have time tomorrow, I'll talk about the law of conversion, how you begin to convert things in your life to build great wealth. Are you ready for that? So tonight, I want to, how many of you glad you came tonight? Hallelujah. So tonight, I want to pray for you uh, before we uh, kind of change the order of what we're doing. Now, here's what I want to say before I pray. Okay? The will of God for your life for what's next. The will of God, for, and we're talking now, this is a Grace in the Marketplace conference. But the will of God for what's next in your life, and I want you to hear this now, is only about a half a step away from where you are right now. Okay, so your journey on what's next in your life, either financially or from a kingdom perspective, it's only a half a step away. It might be a step away. When I have found that God is leading me, here's what happens. And, and I'll, I will talk about this tomorrow, and I'll talk about it Sunday morning as well, tell some stories. But what happens is, sometimes you're standing here and there's nobody here, nothing's happening, you're going half step. I'm 10 miles away from what's next. And all of a sudden, God will bring somebody across your path. And most people don't even know how to recognize it when it does happen. But that next thing, the next piece of the will of God for the blessing of your life is only a half step away. Sometimes it's just a full step, rarely ever more than a full step. 
And you say, what does that mean? That means when you start stepping into the blessings of God, you start stepping into what I call divine connections. You start stepping into what I call kairos moments. God opportune moments that come across your path because God's no respecter of persons. If he'll do it for Billy, he'll do it for you. No respecter. So I want to challenge you tonight as I pray for you. It's only the next half step. I came to South Africa, and I mean this. There's no pride in this that I'm saying. I promise you there's no pride. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, you go to South Africa. And I want to tell you truthfully, everything in my flesh didn't want to go because I take off in July. Right? I have a big Texas barbecue pit, and I do my barbecue. I go to the mountains, and I fly fish. Right? And that's what I do. I get, But the Spirit of God spoke to me. I, you know how you know that, right? And he used Ashley Teradez. God forgive me, but he used Ashley Teradez. So I want to pray for you. And I believe that destiny is going to be released in here tonight. Destiny is going to be released. Let's stand together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare the Word of God over this people, this group. And I thank you in the name of Jesus as we speak your Word over them. That next half step, that next half step, that next full step of destiny. I speak over them and I declare today that divine connections are released in their life. No matter where they are, no matter what that next half step is, in Jesus' name, I declare tonight, right now, that next half step with divine connections. And I speak over their life tonight that God-opportune moments come to them in the name of Jesus. Kairos moments that are pregnant with the purpose of God. Father, I just thank you tonight that it's released. Let this, let this tonight and tomorrow be a point of release into their destiny. Let increase in finances today that we can steward. Let them come into the work of our hands. And we release that over them tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Let's rejoice tonight. Come on. Speak the Word of God over it. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.